Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a 7 West Media podcast. And then obviously you had to wait for all the girls to wake up and bring them into the room and when I talked to them that their mother had passed away. Just imagine it. You have four young daughters, a happy marriage, works good and life's great. Then, in an instant, everything changes. And all of a sudden, you're a single parent doing it all on your own. This week's episode looks at the devastating loss of a partner how to pick up the pieces, and somehow carry on. I'm Alex Cullen, and welcome to Being Dad. Professional sports people are known for their toughness and resilience. They've been known to play through the most painful injuries, to really push their bodies beyond any reasonable limit, to sacrifice so much and somehow through it all come up smiling, asking for more. But my next guest is tougher than most. The toughest of men anyway. He's had to be. On the football field, he had his challenges, but off it, later on in retirement, came his biggest. Brett Kamali was a rugby league superstar. He played over 300 games for six different clubs, He won a premiership with the Melbourne Storm and represented his state and his country. His biggest achievements, though, are his four wonderful daughters, Maddie, Mia, Ava and Ivy. But ever since one night in March of 2017, someone's been missing. Someone Brett had known since he was 16 years old as a kid growing up in Newcastle. Someone who dedicated her life to her children, who was tough like her husband, and struck fear into Brett's coaches and opponents alike. Shani Kamali was the love of Brett's life and left this world far too soon at the tender age of 38 from a brain tumour. She left behind Brett and their four daughters, who at the time were all under the age of 15. Brett, or Noddy as many call him, is now one parent, who's had to take on the role of two And as you're about to hear, he's doing a pretty good job of it. But it hasn't been easy. Of course it hasn't. And gives us some really amazing advice on what to do and who to turn to when your significant other is no longer around. We talked about his playing days, the ups and downs, and one coach in particular, Chris Anderson, to whom Brett owes so much and counts as a mentor and a father figure, as well as Chris's wife, Lynn, who's really helped Brett through the tough times. Current NRL CEO Todd Greenberg and his wife Lisa have also been an enormous support for Brett. You won't hear too many questions from me in this chat because I just wanted to let Brett do the talking. It was almost like he needed to, that it was good for him. Therapeutic in a way, and I really think it was. To get it out and to help any dads out there who might be going through the same thing. Here he is. Brett Kamali. Thank you so much for doing this, mate. We really appreciate it. Not a problem, Alex. Obviously, uh, quite intrigued, I suppose, to have you know, seen your email when you reached out. Um, yeah. You know, dads, dads, parents. You're a star in our eyes. Scary world. Um, no, it was obviously, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I saw your email and thought, wow, it'd be, you know, share some experiences. Uh, obviously, I, I've, you know, I've got some, I suppose, Ways of handling things, or, or what I coped with. Um, obviously, a single, single parent there, uh, four children. Life changes instantly. Um, sort of the middle of 2016, and then obviously the um, go through the one of the most uh, horrific things you can go through in you know March 2017, losing a partner. Yeah, yeah, losing the mother of your your four daughters. Yeah, and, and that's you know I think that's the that was the biggest thing. You know I think um, 
just you know, the, my older two were a part of obviously a lot of the decisions or doctor's appointments and bits and pieces of things that were going on in that time. Um, you know, it was it was you know they. I think you had to tell them everything in a way because they wanted to know everything. As you said, it was their mum that was that they were seeing go through a lot of the medicine and a lot of the um, the treatments, the, the treatments, and they they wanted. I think when they knew things, they were okay, um, and we were always very positive. There was going to be a positive outcome. Um, you know, that was something that Shani always had some always positive thoughts and mindset. Um, you know, and, and as you said, like it's, I I go through different emotions in a way but you know just just for them losing their mother in a way like that life will always be different for all of us um you know you can never replace that or change that and never will try and do that but i suppose it's it's that guidance of needing their mum to speak to sometimes um you know she was very hands-on mother and 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 did a lot for him i was just the, the taxi driver the pickup and you know and the play guy i wasn't very good at the discipline side of things either so yeah certainly um so I had to change pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll get to that. But I want to ask, we're recording this a few days, well, not long after Father's Day. Yeah. Um, how was it? Were you spoiled? I was good, yeah. yeah I, I, you know, I, we're, I'm probably a lot closer now to the girls than I have ever been in a way. So, you know, this, that we're all part of sort of in this fight together, well, not this fight together, but in this life now together. And um, it was a nice day, yeah. Um, I had a nice breakfast. Uh, I think I got to make the decisions for about half a day, uh, <laughs> which is good. No, life's good. Life is good. Uh, as I said, it'll probably always be a bit different and, um, and and never be the same as what it was. But uh, I try and say to people, you know, it's it's a, it's a different good now, but it's still good. Uh, you know, life, life life's okay. You've got four great daughters. Tell me about them, Eld- eldest to youngest. Yeah, well, Maddie's just turned 18. So my first bo- baby that was born on the Central Coast um, in 01, it was a very doting father. Um, drove home at about 30 kilometres an hour, nervous of, of running into something. Um, 21 months later, Mia was born. So 18, you know, Maddie and Mia were quite close. Uh, it was like sort of having two babies at the start um, growing up. And then uh, there's a three-year gap to Ava, uh, who is 12 now, so th- Technically, three of the big girls were in high school, and uh, my youngest, Miss Ivy, she's nine years of age. Uh, so there's sort of a four-year gap you know, between Ava and Ivy, and it's funny they're all, their personality-wise, they're so different. Um, Maddie's so easygoing, um, has minimal stress in her life. I mean, she's doing a HSC at the moment, which of course is causing some anxiety. But um, you know, we, we we sometimes muck around calling Dory the fish that just forgets what's going on in life sometimes, and. Mia is very strong. Um, it will help. She certainly helps a lot at home. Runs not runs the house, but you know, I call myself the CEO, and she's the the, the, the executive or something. I'm just I'm allowed to be one level above her on the on the food chain or the power chain. So, you know, co- co-assistant she calls herself, but she's a great helper. Um, you know, the big two girls are now starting to cook a bit of dinner, help out occasionally with. You know, Dad's obviously got to go to work still. Um, life still has to to continue. Um, I, Aves is probably the one I, I always, you know, she's, you know, again, it's, you know, we're talking about, you know, losing their mum sort of two, two and a half years ago now. Ava, I feel, is the one that probably most is at the age of needing their mum in a way, you know, going from primary school to high school, um, body changing, um, life changing, bits and pieces of things. So, And Ivy, Ivy's... A mixture of all of them. She's so good. She she has conversations out. She's got the sassiest attitude in the world. Um, but they're all they're all they're well mannered. They're great girls. Um, you know, I, I managed to do a plait and a ponytail and a, a couple of you know braids. I'm not good at, but I, you know, I, I get help from the girls. You know, the big two understand it, dressing the little two and, and stuff. So uh, it's it's a I wouldn't say you know I, I find it. It's just busy. Not. Hard. It's not. I don't find it hard. I never find it hard. You know. Sometimes it's hard in the way when when they all come at you and they all want things or can I have this and like you're trying. I've got no one technically I can fend it off to in a way. So you know. So it's like you you sometimes can get worn down. Um, but I never feel like it's it's a hard thing. It's you know it's an amazing thing. I'm I'm lucky and I have some great work opportunities. You know I I do you know drop off and pick up just about every day. Uh, so I'm home quite a lot, and I can still then have the ability to, to to work a couple of successful roles, which which a juggling act with you know the iPhone calendar is the greatest thing in the world. Isn't it great? Oh, unbelievable how how 
you know, I went from, you know, I suppose I always wanted to be a, I always wanted to be a coach, I suppose, in a way, and did the media, and you know, so Dad would go off to training or, or play for a lot of the children's life. You know, I retired in 2010, so you know, Ivy was born uh, in 09. So technically, a couple in school, a couple at home. You know, but Dad would go to technically coaching or go to media on weekends and bits and pieces. I so I sort of had, didn't know too much of the the operation of home in a way. You know, apart from oh, can you pick up here? Can you drop off there? Can you do stuff? Now, dinner was relatively was cooked for us. Dinner, yeah, I was playing footy, or you know, when I retired in twenty ten, um, you know that basically then I went into meet into coaching, so life probably got busier, you know. So then obviously you, you know you come home, the house is clean, you come home, the dinner's cooked, and you know you have you have a partner that you get to share how good or bad your day was, jump on you know balance ideas and sit there and watch TV with someone. So it was keeping the home fires burning yeah. because. It, you you were a professional athlete. Yeah. You, you played over three hundred games for uh, six different clubs. Yeah. You got a premiership, Clyde Virtual medalist, yeah. M halfback of the year. It's hectic. How did you do that? How did you balance being a professional athlete with bringing up four daughters? Yeah, I I, I don't know. I used to, I, and I love training. I think I got very lucky. I suppose I was, you know, I uh, grew up in Newcastle in a rugby league family. Uh, the Knights come in the competition as a kid. I had this dream to go off and. And playing the NRL, I, I was competitive as hell, you know. And then in '97, you know, I was lucky enough to start playing some NRL football for the Hunter Mariners. And then, you know, '98, sort of pack up and move and drive 12 hours down the freeway to Melbourne with you know, Shani, who was my girlfriend at the time, and two little dogs. And the inaugural team, the inaugural team. So I, I nearly went to Canterbury in '97 because of Chris Anderson. Uh, and then obviously the Super League war broke out. So I go there in '98. Chris Anderson's the coach, and it just. Uh, he's a he's a he's a a mentor of mine still now. Uh, his family's so close to mine. Uh, his children muck around that I was the the third son he never had. Uh, I'm in the will inheritance and all that type of stuff. So, uh, but again, it was a coach that I trusted. Um, trusted in what would work on a football field. Played a flat style that I enjoyed playing. Had great success. You know, win a premiership in '99. Um, you know, it was a, it was an amazing place. You know, it was 25 players down there. I still. So it's the best club I played for. It's the best time I had in my career. You know, special memories. Um, and is it true that Chris Anderson was more afraid of Shani than he was of you? Definitely. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I think everyone sort of had their idea of who ran the house <laughs> type of thing. Um, because she was a pretty fierce critic, right? She was, yeah. Yeah, a very tough critic. I think, and that's, I look at, I say to people, by the end of my career, like, why was it? so successful. I said I had the motivation that myself to, to be successful. I had some massive challenges throughout that career, uh, ups and downs, but also I backed myself in a way. Then I think when I got home, I was always forced to be grounded and, and humble and still then, you know, you talk about how was the balance. So Matty was born the end of 01. Um, you know, so I had three successful years at Melbourne, won a premiership, played for New South Wales, played for Australia, did some tours, Clive Churchill medal. Um, Flew home in the cockpit of an ANSEP flight back home from the grand final because we had our own plane um, sitting in business class and it was up the front with a meat pie and a beer. <laughs> thinking, like, like, how good's life? Can't get any better. You know? An NRL premiership, eh? And you were, a, I, hear, I hear you were a, a fantastic family man in those in those days. You know, some blokes might have been going out to the pub, but you were like, nah, I'm uh, going home. I enjoyed, I enjoyed having a beer, definitely, um, and probably didn't party too often um i'd go out around clubs or game day and bits and pieces but yeah not too much i think um i, I always think i'm a home person i love being at home you know as much as sounds weird I, I i love just sitting around at home have people over um you know and you know i obviously go back to the northern eagles in 2001 got married at the end of 2000 it was an opportunity to live out of the central coast as close as I could get probably the Newcastle. I just got married. I then had thoughts in my head that I wouldn't mind starting a family. Uh, starting a family um, probably wasn't going to happen in Melbourne without support. Uh, and again, family was technically an hour up the road. So Mads was born the end of middle of, middle of August 01. By middle of September, my four-year contract was torn up. So then obviously you're, then, you know, you're, you're, you're a dad of, or you're, you're a husband and then you're a dad. And then you've got no job. Um, so I reached out to Chris, uh, who was coming to Cronulla. They got lucky enough that they were able to move one or two players. And I signed a signed a one-year deal. I had a fight tooth and nails sort of for a career, in a way. You know, I, 
I'd, I'd arrived in Cronulla on the back of Preston getting the Dally M. So a lot of the kids at training or fans were, were telling me to piss off. We didn't want you because Preston was the half and obviously the boy from Tinger um, was amazing. And so that was a tough little introduction to, to thinking that football and life was going really good. And then all of a sudden it can turn on your head and then take about a 60% pay cut to go to Cronulla. And it's a lot dearer living in Cronulla than, than on the Central Coast. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then obviously I arrived with being told we're not, we don't want you, you're booed. Um, we then magically, Chris was the coach. So I went there because I th- Chris was the coach, Tony A was the physio, and a bloke called Aaron Salisbury was the trainer. They were the three guys that were in Melbourne Storm system. So how do I get my career back to where it was? Well, then I think I go and play under a coach and a trainer and a physio that technically I trusted. You know, I think you'll hear a lot of things where I think I always talk about people I trust. If I, if I, let, if I trust them, then I'll... I, I open myself up to you and I give you everything and there's a respect type of thing. Um, so pretty private type of guy, which probably goes back to wanting to be home a lot. Yeah. Um, and a bit, bit guarded. Yeah, well, they're, but They're a pretty tough crowd, the Sharks fans. Yeah. yeah. Careers at crossroads. Um, yeah. One-year deal, father, a uh, newborn. Um, we actually would, Chris, would again, try to take what the Melbourne system was to the Sharks when we first got there. So team dinners, going out. Obviously, I've got a newborn baby that's four months, five months, six months old. So... Mads used to come with us and we used to just like carry the little, you know, porter cot type of thing and she'd sit under the table, we'd go out for team dinners and all that because we, we had no support in Sydney. Oh, absolutely. And your life, well, your career, up and down like a fiddler's arm, really. And who was there, who was always there supporting you, who was always there with you for the ups and downs? Yeah. Uh, yeah, as I said, you know, Shani was... Shani. Shani was, you know, a, a person that was the whole ride of my journey. Um, as you said, the good and the bad. Broke my jaw, uh, 03 at Cronulla. Uh, not too bad. So I only had a little plate put in my jaw and it was at a stage. Just a little plate? I took a Panadol at half time to, to, to go back out in the field. Um, you know, I broke my jaw uh, in, in 03. Me had just been born. So it must have been about middle of the year. Um, Chris was, we were going through some turmoil at the club. There was a, uh, some rumours that Chris was going to get sacked. I was still blending up food. I was cutting sausages into tiny little strips so I could swallow them because of food. People think... I thought this was for the baby. No, no, for me. So we're probably sharing food, the baby and I, massing veggies on the table. You know, there's Maddie's and there's Dad's. Like, Sean had two kids to feed. But, yeah, and I I remember I went out and played because Chris was under turmoil and I got a doctor's approval that it wouldn't break again. I'd be all right. I said, I'm going to play. And... And Sean was like, why? And I said, oh, because Chris is under pressure mm-hmm. and for everything he's done sort of for us, I've got to do it. Yeah, of course. And then in that game, I actually, it's probably the, one of the times where I got in a lot of trouble off Sharni. Um, I got injured uh, in the game and, and she'd come in, in the sheds. You know, I think Mia had just been born, so you've got a 20, you know, there's 21 months between them. She comes in the sheds and she says, you've broke your jaw again. I'm going to go off at you. And I was like, no, no, it's okay. And she's like, what? I said, I actually ruptured um, a testicle. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know whether it was a good thing or a bad thing because I didn't get in trouble for playing with a broken jaw. <laughs> no. So, and I don't know if there was much sympathy with what had just happened. And uh, so, um, but uh, you know, and unfortunately, you know, unfortunately for Chris, that the, the Sharks didn't make a decision in 03 to move him on. Um, but you know, I, it was something that I had to do, and I think you know, Shani recognised that I had to do it and supported it, even I, though I probably wasn't. I hope Chris appreciated it. Yeah. So. Just take me back to this injury again. Yeah, well, obviously, unfortunately, uh, tried to make a tackle in the end goal at Shark Park. Got need in the male area, in the, in, in the boys, and then the never region. I got to about the 20-metre line, you know, and you, 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 they feel like they're in your stomach, and then most males will probably understand that once you get hit there or flicked there or something happens, you lose your breath for about 10 seconds, and then it slowly comes back. So I got to about the halfway, and the pain hadn't gone away and probably got worse. And I was like, I put my hand up and I was like, oh, you know, I'm done. Something's wrong, seriously wrong. Um, so I, I'm in the sheds, um, you know, and obviously Shani walks in and it was like, oh, what, you know, if you've broke your jaw again, you know, quite anger. And I was like, no, no, it's okay. And then obviously I had an ice bag on my testicles and and all that. And then, um, so that, I don't know whether that was a good thing or a bad thing that I didn't break my jaw again. Uh, it was quite a weird injury. I had weird, I had weird injuries. Structurally, I'm great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty good. Um, but yeah, you know. So I think I did that to support Chris, and then obviously, um, I think Sean supported. But you know, you talk about, 
you know, she was always there, you know, drove, you know, come to hospital, um, you know, even the next day. I remember the next day, Mia was, would have been barely a month old and, and because you get an injury in that area and that, and we'd always had thoughts of maybe more kids, you know, type of thing. You had two at this stage. Had two. Mia got stuck at birth and Mia, Mia, te- Mia terrified me um, when she was born, you know, Shani had um, diabetes in pregnancy and she got stuck in Shan's pelvis and then, you know, twist and turn and the doctor at one stage was going to cut a collarbone to basically get her through the hips. So she'd come out all bruised type of scenario and then we, we couldn't hold her for a day type of thing. She had to go into, into a machine and all that. It terrified me. All four of the pregnancies, we sort of, we had a due date where we, you know, playing football, I suppose, and pregnant and diabetes was always like, you can't go too big, but Mia, Mia terrified me. It, it really scared me. So I was no to any more children after that. Um, you know, Shani was like, oh, you know, she was always, no, I want to have a big family. It's like a concept, but, um, you know, and, and then because I'd had that injury and then because of, you know, they, they, they rang Shan about two in the morning after, during surgery to say, oh, do we, it's pretty bad. Like, do we take it out or do we fix it? And, um, you know, it got repaired to the best it could sort of get repaired. And then it was like, oh, you know, if you want more kids, you should go now. And we got 21 months between the first two and they're instantly telling you, you know, you better hurry back up and get in there, you know. Um, ah, you didn't muck around. No, uh, no. So, and then it was, you know, then we, so we didn't really worry about it in a way and, and, and went on. And then, you know, I didn't play for a number of weeks after that. Um, a number of weeks, yeah. Yeah, I think it was about a month or something. And then... Um, and then played again, and as I said, unfortunately, Chris got sort of moved on yeah. on that year. But you know, we, you know, again, Chris is still a person that I still speak to to the day. You know, come time to leave the leave Cronulla um, type of thing, and I end up joining Canterbury, and, uh, and now we're trying to get back. You know, the family values of of what they had in the old days. After a couple of conversations, it, it was sort of like, no, it'll be okay. But when you go home to say that that's where we're going, it was like, what are you thinking? Type of concept. So. Um, I am an art for so long because of uprooting the kids. You, want to uproot the kids. you know, it was like that. You know, well, I, you're a family man, family first. And then in, it was like, oh, do we want to uproot? Do we want to go there? What do we come back to? This is home. These are their friends and all that type of stuff. So then I end up sort of staying at Cronulla. It wasn't meant to be. You know, and I think things happen if I'm, 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 I don't stress too much on those type of things. Um, I'm stressed on other things, but I think if it's meant to be, it ends up happening. Um, you know, and then I go back to the past in 05 that I threw for, for New South Wales. It was, again, something that shattered my confidence. I was sort of scarred, you know, yeah. mental, mentally scarred, yeah. Like I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't back myself, couldn't trust myself. And I was a guy that played instinct football and played off the cuff, trained hard, practiced hard, um, always got either grounded back at home, not grounded in, in time, but, you know, you play good or you play bad. But it didn't matter how I played, it was always the same no, ego wasn't allowed to be brought in the house or you talk yourself up type of things. But I was always pretty grounded, but it, it hurt, you know, quite a lot. And then it took an off season and things. And I didn't know that took such a toll. It scarred me in a way that I obviously I felt like I left I, I let my teammates down because I throw a pass an extra time because and then it, and then and then what it did also is I let my state down. But yeah, so I, I went through, you know, sort of you know, I go to Cronulla and they didn't want me then a change and we're going good. I get back in the rep side and then, you know, you you throw a a pass I thought was on, uh, it doesn't work, and then you get shattered again, and and then you know I you know I wanted to retire at Cronulla in a way. I was happy to stay there and and play out my time. I felt like that the club where I spent the most time, and and as you said over time, like Maddie technically was she was about three months old when we moved to the Shire. Mia was born in 03, Ava was born in six, and then Ivy was born in nine. So Cronulla is home. You know that, I say to him even now. I had, I was on Father's Day. I, I had a at breakfast, I'd raised a question to to the girls that you know, uh, if a job come up in Newcastle, f- uh, um, coaching wise as an assistant or in something, would you want to go home? They're like, no, you know, because technically we've been in Sydney on our own for forever. Yeah. So family come down and go back home, and we go up there occasionally. But our lives so busy in Sydney, as you said, with four girls, they've got activities, they've got school, they've got life. They got events that we just sort of worked out how to manage on our own and do stuff on our own. We have, have, you know, my next door neighbours currently where I live. Um, I just moved out on Friday, but they've been amazing. They help a lot, and then I have another family that help a lot. You know, so great. Um, so that's that's where the supports come from. Sort of, you know, kids go to dancing, yeah. meet friends outside of football, um, then become very close to those guys. Um, you know, one of the, one of the 
the family's, it's sort of where I, the, the mum's where I steer my kids to for mum advice in a way or support. Um, when, you know, even di- di- different bits and pieces, if, if, if I need someone to talk to, she's that person that, that I can go and open up to and share some things or, or stuff. So, and again, that's, and they, they, they've followed football career, but they, they don't really know it that well in a way. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's how we've been able to survive. And I, you know, it's funny when you, for me, Newcastle was home. It was where I grew up until I was you know, 20 years of age, technically. So uh, I always had hopes that I'd go back to Newcastle after playing and all that. But now life's in Sydney. Uh, my life's at Cronulla. The kids' life's at Cronulla. I'm blessed to be, you know, some opportunities. You know, three quarters of my life now is turned into media more than coaching. Um, I work at the Sharks in a in a sort of business development role. And then I, you know, I commentate for, for, NRL Nation, Fox Sports. I do some appearances on Channel Seven News. I, I've been very lucky, in in a way that some people looked after me or, or give me an opportunity. Um, and I think, you know, and I'm a lot better probably than I was ever as a player because I think you don't open up to anyone when you play. It's such a secret, which you probably want. Charney did a lot of talking in the house, or your partner does a lot of talking in the house. Well, it's pretty selfish too. You've you've got to look after yourself. Career, career is most important because you you don't want to let someone else get your your jersey. Yeah, that's why you play through those injuries. I never wanted to retire, in a way. You know, I got to a stage. Even the the decision I made to retire even come on the back of probably a, a bit of a more of a family decision more than a Brett wanted to play decision. You know, you know what? How's what is Dad's played football for ten years. Uh, didn't study anything, didn't have a, a, a trade to go back to. So it was about trying to transition into life after football into retirement. So, um, Did you have a fourth by then? A fourth? Yeah, Ivy, Ivy was born. Ivy was born. Um, so we, I was talking to Canberra and, you know, sort of Shani and I had spoke about moving down or not moving down or bits and pieces and playing and not playing. And financially, it was a very good deal, actually. It was, it was going to be quite a lot better than what I ended up selecting when I retired. But... Mads come home from school one day and, and asked me, will we move into Canberra? I was like, what do you mean? You know, because you try and keep some things confidential. And it's like, oh, it was on the news or something that, you know, the Raiders are looking at signing you. And she was like, I don't want to move. So I rang pretty much that afternoon and said, oh, I, I can't come. I enjoyed the last two years I had at Canterbury. So I enjoyed the first three years I probably had at Melbourne. So in the middle there, it was a bit of a, they're not always great years. They're good years. You play, you don't like the people, but you, you challenge yourself. Um, but the last two years at Canberra, I had fun, and the people in the club were really good. And then they offered me a role in the in the coaching role, so I was like, oh, I want to actually come here and work every day. Um, and so in the end, I decided, you know what, best interest for career path was probably going to the coaching, and then I had a full time media role with Fox and all that. So I was like, oh, this is kids don't have to move, they can stay in school, dad goes to work, and, and as a bit of a transition in life after it. So you know, Sharni was was supportive and. Nearly all of those, I think she probably wanted me to probably push to go to Canberra in a way to keep playing sort of financial things and that. We sort of got, you know, and, and I th- she always, I think, thought I should play for as long as I could keep playing because I think I didn't realise I was going to miss it until I'd give it up. And then but I suppose they know you better than you know yourself sometimes. Um, so it was probably more of a, you know, we you could have kept playing. And it, you know, it was a it was a good ride. You know, I said I got to come home to a, to a stable home to – to a best friend, you know, um, it looked up and it had and the kids and all that. So, and then even when I went off the coaching, you know, I lived in two, I lived in Canberra for for two years. Uh, um, Charney stayed in Sydney for the kids, to, you know, for me to pursue a coaching career. Commuted, went down Monday, come back Friday. She's a star, eh? So she's got four children. The youngest is four. Drop off, pick up, running around. Um, Dad obviously went off to pursue a career and work, and uh, it's it was a time that I said I'd. I'd would never advise it, I suppose, different circumstances. But I said, I'd never do it again. Uh, you know, you lose connection with your family. You, you, you don't seem to grow up. Um, I, was, I remember sort of thinking at the end of it, it was like I went away and Ivy was this tiny little thing and all of a sudden, you know, she's starting school. You know, you don't think at the time because time goes so quick. Mm. But then you, at the end of it, you look back and go, hang on a sec. Like, they've all grown up. They're older. Um, yeah, it's funny you say that. My wife's father, he, he had a travel a bit he was a mine manager in a coal mine went up to central queensland for i think a year or two and that really affected things i think you, you miss some of their development um mm. miss things happen and then obviously your, your space at home is not the same you know you come back in you, you've got to become you got to meet meet your partner again like work out your connections and what you don't like and you do like and then she gets used to doing everything on her own so i get in the way 
you know, I, and you're there for the weekend. I'm there for the weekend. I come and try and change things and go back, and you know, so that was a pretty tough experience. Uh, and I come back, obviously, at the end of fifteen, end of fourteen, um, fifteen, sort of normal stuff, home life, work, and then obviously, um, middle of sixteen was when obviously we we first got diagnosed. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Jason Smith and they say you never really leave Summer Bay. And yes, I'm lucky enough to be back, but not as Robbie Hunter. This time I am the host of the official podcast. What is this place? Summer Bay. Best flaming place in the world, if you ask me. The Home and Away podcast is your access all areas past to the entire entity that is Home and Away. It's a place where I'll be talking with the makers and creators to discuss storylines characters and the history of the series subscribe to the home and away podcast on acast or your favorite podcast platform when did you know she was crook uh well it was again something that she actually uh would change the seasons would get quite a, a lot of sinus get bad and not sort of bad headaches but she was someone that sort of had headaches for a fair while for some reason in 2016 she had really bad headaches we went to the doctor and got some sinus medicine uh you know ivy had started school in 20 you know 2016 so it was sort of like a it's funny how like you think that you know ivy had started school she'd been a mum my mother's 18 18 down the nine so for nine years they've all gone off to school and people at home and it was sort of a chance in a way to for her to have a life, freedom, space, time, you know, and then, um, and then, as I said, just headaches. So we, uh, the sharks doctor is our general GP doctor. So we basically would have a, we have two or three weeks of a script for a sinus issue and all that, and the headaches would be so severe, but then go away and not stay there. And then he's like, the doc pretty much said to us, "Oh, let's just go and get a scan." And we'll start the worst and we'll work backwards to figure out what's going on. The first scan we had showed a lump on the brain. Um, so it was actually, you know, then obviously that was sort of found and, you know, not did you think that was going to happen. It was about an hour before school pick up. So all of a sudden your world's got to sort of change and juggle. And, and again, you, you reach to your support and go, oh, can you guys pick up? Can you do this? We've got to go straight to the um, Prince of Wales Hospital to, to see um, – we ended up seeing Richard Parkinson first, Prince of Wales, and then it was obviously have a scan, go back home that night, try and get your head around what had just happened mm-hmm. technically, and, and then the road ahead. Yeah, and then the next day we, had, we went back the next morning to figure out what was the road ahead. Um, obviously, we were aware that it was something that was going to need surgery. It was a, a cancer on the brain, or on the brain, in the, in the, in the brainish area um, that needed surgery. Um Obviously, we just pretty much arrived on Richard Parkinson's desk because Dr. Gibney rang him and said, can we come in? Um, and, and I think literally hadn't even had a time to, to view it or see what was happening and looked at, a, looked at a scan or got a scan and said, okay, come back tomorrow morning. You know, nothing's going to happen overnight um, and we'll put a plan into place. And then obviously, it, you know, and then it's trying to support, we'll get an idea of what's got to happen. How far do you tell the kids? Do you tell the kids anything? Um, what did you tell him? I don't remember if we told him anything at that stage. I think we might have been just that mum was going for another scan. Um, so then, and then we'd spoke to 
Richard obviously um, had advised us that the surgery, we should go and see a guy called Mark Dexter that's out at Westmead Private. He's the best in that part of the body or in you know in the brain. Um, if he wanted anyone to do the surgery, he would want him to do it as well um, type of diagnosis. So within three days, we're sort of out at Westmead Hospital, you know, so then... I've, you know, you, you you obviously inform the girls that mum's going for surgery, um, that there's, they found something, they'll take it out, it'll be okay, then obviously you've got This to... is four girls under 15 at this stage. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, and again, the little two were probably too young to understand too much of it at all. Well, the big two, as you said, 15 and 13, they're sort of worried what's going on. And I think if you go to a hospital or people, so... The diff, the surgery went very, very well. The doctor was wrapped with it. Comes out of surgery, um, you know, even, even, you know, you got to, you got to start contemplating if something was to go wrong, what would happen before they even go into surgery because they tell you all the bad side effects, you know, of of that. And surgery, come out of surgery, we'd got some very positive news um, on the type of tumor it was, on the fact that it was all taken. Um, Sharon was recovering. Things were great. Uh, we, as we leave five days later to go home, it turns from a grade one to a grade four, um, and then the and then it's cancerous rather than benign. Um, so from from Monday, which is grade one benign, to grade four, malignant, malignant, um, or well, GBM, which is a glioblastoma yeah. multiform, and yeah. I know this because yeah. my father passed away from exactly yeah. the same thing. So all of a sudden, you. Your life gets turned from telling everyone it's all good and recovering to making phone calls going home to saying that that was what we'd been diagnosed and how, I don't know how it changed so so much, to then uh, pretty much radiation and, and all that was going to start the following week, you know, so, and then, so, you know, Sean was, again, at no stage... Did I ever see a sign of negativity or doubt or or anything? So she was always that. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And um, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. I'm okay. You know, just sort the house, sort the life. Um, very strong person. And then so you just sort of. And then I think you run off her positiveness and all that. And then so obviously you know we went through the five days of radiation and then time after time through chemo. Um, tablets back in the hospital, out of hospital, um, to so that was about middle of the se- middle of the year, and then obviously about Christmas time, things started deteriorating a bit. Uh, I had no idea what was going on. Um, Sharon would get a little bit sick. Uh, I remember being at a clinic or an, a training course one day, and she'd had a couple of seizures, and it was like no idea where they'd come from. Uh, and then obviously even when we'd go for a scan, the scans weren't producing anything of reason to um, to worry. It all looked normal. Looked, and then Looked stable. Looked stable. And again, the tumour itself was the one that they had surgery on was shrinking and it was the, the medicine was working and all that. And, um, and then over, again, in our hospital, out of hospital, um, just just would go through phases where would get sick, really sick, and then obviously uh, would go back in. I remember having some some horrible discussions with some doctors about, you know, um, she's not better in 24 hours. Um, this is the path we might have to take in bits and pieces, and you're not trying to get your head around it because obviously our surgeon was away, unfortunately, and then... You know, they're, they're, again, a part of a different team, but you don't know. Um, and, and, again, as you said, whilst trying to keep children well, yeah. You've got to keep under control, yeah. they obviously, you know, I think in the end they they knew everything. A big two knew and understood a lot of it. Little two had no idea. Um, I don't think you tell them the words. I don't think we ever thought the words were going to happen where it was never going to be treatable. Um Christmas time was pretty tough in um, in sixteen. In 16 you know, we, again, families in Newcastle. I did a lot of the shopping. Shani helped a little bit, but it didn't. I think she was put put on a brave face to to make Christmas. She was a uh, you know she was a mum that 
would spoil the hell out of them. Christmas, Easter, birthdays. It was big events. Um, so I think Christmas to her had to be a massive event. So we went to Newcastle. Uh, I think we went to Newcastle Christmas Eve, woke up to Christmas and literally come home the next day, you know, which is quite rare, you know, to be up there with the family and all that, but then come home and then um, again in and out, back back into hospital. Um, this time I think we're in St George Hospital. We started to get doctors that start telling us that the growth there's things going on which start to look which are starting to present it's cancer and tumors um to to then go back out to dr dexter who obviously informed us that um the tumor had spread uh it was then on top of the spinal cord um surgery was nothing that was going to be able to help um it was just a path of how long do you want to stay on the drugs quality of life um so then you've got to make those phone calls and then obviously when you get home, inform your children that mum's sick, um, that medicine's no longer working. Um, so we and so I think we also decided to care for Sean at home. Um, we had Calvary come into the house. Um, so, so they got to say, right, I think mum every day going to school and coming home. Yeah, and then so we had again. You, you know, you try and do everything I suppose you can do. Um, we end up going to see um, another doctor. Me and Maddie come with me to the doctor's appointment. We went to a different mm. surgeon, just as a as you do. I suppose you get a second opinion, a third opinion. You, well, you try anything. You try and anything. So we we went to another surgeon and, and they I asked them did they want to come in did they not want to come in and they wanted to come in and I was like I oh, just you know and then it's I suppose it's my thought was like they don't sugarcoat yeah. some of the things they say you know so it was hard and then I was like well so they end up wanting they come in with it so obviously that unfortunately that doctor then advised us that there's nothing he could do it's too far spread. Um, you know, the fact that the path we'd taken was the, the correct path, it was the best path he would have guided um, type of thing. So um, so then obviously, the, you know, you have no hope. You, you, you just sort of talk to her, spend time with her. Spend time to her. Yeah. You know, people would come down continuously, be able to go and say hi and all that. Um, and then, yeah, and then, and then, yeah, so then... Um, Unfortunately, yeah, passed away March 2017. Uh, the girls were asleep. it was overnight. Um, I sat in the room for a little while, for waiting. I sort of woke up early, and I don't know, it's an eerie feeling. I don't know if you know or don't know. Um, and then obviously, you had to wait for all the girls to wake up and bring them into the room, and when I talked to them, that their mother had passed away. So, and then. You know, so, and then the phone calls, obviously, to try and let everyone know. Um, so it was a, yeah, it was a, you know, and then you're, I'm not, you sort of, you, you know, you want to have your own time, but then you don't want to have your time because obviously, you, you know, you want to make sure the girls are okay and, that, you know, the family and all that are okay as well. So, um, yeah, so it was a tough. It was, it was from a positive. You know, middle of, middle of middle of sixteen, to things change and not recognising, spending a lot of time over Christmas in and out of hospitals, going and spending time. And isn't it great you had that time to yeah, have that quality? I think time so. Yeah, it. yeah. You yeah. could spend that time. With yeah, her. you could talk to her. Yeah, and they they would go. You know, again, a bit scared of what's wrong with mum or bits and pieces, and then in the end, they go and jump on the bed, they hug her, they talk to her. You know, it's like, uh, what do you do at school today? So, you know, those conversations. So. She passed away at home. Yeah, passed away at home. Mm. Um, and then obviously the big, the big two were amazing in a way. Like, and then you go through. Okay, well, the service has got to be amazing. You know, so they they did again. Friends helped out. Um, family were all down, bits and pieces for the the week and all that stuff. But 
it, you know, it's like attention to detail had to be enormous for the service, for the book, you know, because that's the type of person that, that, that Sean was. So. And then I, don't, I remember speaking to mother-in-law who, again, was a single parent to the, to the three girls with Shani's two sisters and a conversation about, you know, the, the rules have already been put in place with discipline, behaviour, manners and all that. So the job's already been done. So I just had to make sure I had to keep following what had already been set in stone. Uh, I remember I think on this, I think the funeral was a Thursday. Everyone stayed around. I think on the Sunday I kicked everyone out. I made a decision that we sort of had to do it our own. Um, I think they. I told them that. So it was, I think it was the week before school had finished in 2017 um, that they had to go back to school. I think it was three or four days, and and they were sort of. I mean, they were like, "No, I don't want to." And understanding, and so I sort of made a decision that they had to go back to school. We sort of had to go back to life at some stage. And you know, again, the, sort of talking to some people, and the mother-in-law was like, "You know, the, the not the quicker they get back into life, but the more." They're around others, they'll stop sort of sitting at home. And I had to, you know, I thought, well, if I've got, I've got to go to, I've got to sort of be the leader and go to work to show them that mm. it's okay. Yeah. Um, get back to some sort of normality. Get back to some routine normality. Um, you know, I, so they were, they were, they were quiet, they were good. Um, I remember speaking to some friends or counselors throughout that time. Do you need help? And, and did you talk to someone? No, I haven't. No. Never? No. The, the one thing I'd realized that, and again, you focus on your kids. Um, yeah. As long as my kids were socialising at school and playing sport and doing stuff, then they were going to, over time, be okay. I asked several times for the older two, do they want to speak to anyone? And they were like, no, nah, we've all got that stubbornness in us. So I think, you know, the, the mum had, Shani had a lot of stubbornness, yeah. strong, you know, that we will be okay, you know. So, um, and then they'd reach out to some, as I said, the other people that I would get some information about. Um, I then had the change and asked for help. Where'd you get the help? Uh, so I, I, I end up sort of talking to some people in a way. I end up handing off some of the jobs, you know, the ironing I've worked out. You know, I don't have to iron everything or I can take it to an ironing lady or a washing person. Someone helps me with the yard. Um, I, I, I remember dropping the kids to school the first day and, and then I didn't go home until pick-up time. And then it took me about a week to actually be in the house on my own type of thing and then uh, and then without shining without shining and then I said you get you know it was lonely at night um, you know I said you, I, I remember I started doing a bit of training so Todd and Lisa Greenberg become very good friends when I was at Canterbury and Shani go out for dinner with some of the partners and I went once so some of the mums would get or mums or girlfriends or partners would go so I go out for dinner with them one night I had a Tuesday night off and I go out to have dinner with them and I walk in and Lisa Greenberg was part of the mothers group, and I was like, "You know who that is?" And they're like, "What?" And I said, "It's the CEO's wife." You can't do that. You can't. And then, and, and, you know, there was, I don't know, there's some things that you think you can't be friends with the CEO type of thing. And like, what are you social? You can't socialize with them. Like they're our bosses. Like you know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're our bosses. And then, yeah. So we become very good friends. And Todd, Todd, and Lisa, and. You know, Lara and Coops, like they've they've been very supportive on things. I remember training a few times with Lisa, and I'd go for talk, I'd go for walks with her and have chats. And you know, there's different people I sort of opened up to in different ways. Uh, you know, I remember saying to her, I said, I can see, I can see so easily why, if you're a single person that has no kids, that hasn't hasn't had some resilience built up from you know, I said I refer back again to my football days where it was good, great, and bad. They'd build up some resilience for me to have factors I could rely upon that would say it's okay, it'll it'll be okay again, and these are the things you need to work on and and and, and believe in yourself. But um, so I could I said to her, I said I can see why how people could become like technically alcoholics, druggos, gamblers. I said I I'm so lonely at night time. You know your your aunt, the kids eat dinner with you and they go to bed at or they're in the bedrooms at seven o'clock. And I said the the lonely times are the hardest times. You know, I said you could. You know, I said you, I threw. I went through heaps of phases where you could, you, you know, you drink to midnight, but you get up the next morning because you've got to go to work and you've got to take the kids. And I said, the balancing act between nearly going off the rails to nearly staying normal was guided by probably the kids and and work. So you nearly went off the rails. Oh, uh, uh, not not in the bad way, but I can see how it could happen. Yeah, yeah definitely. I said yeah. I was I was a, barely a drinker 
when I played and even when I worked and, you know, on weekends if someone comes over, you have a beer at dinner or that and, well, you know, then you can start drinking eight beers a night and dumb, numb yourself and... Easier to sleep. Um, easier to sleep. Um, so, and then, you know, it was, you know, and then, you know, then I had to try and, I suppose, work out how the girls were going, how am I going, still do work, life, you know, put them in all the sports I could enrol them for, which then meant you had to be busy because... You're the only driver in the house. Um, um, you know, we had a boyfriend coming into the house for the first time. Ah. We had to figure all that out. Um, what else? I remember, I remember when Mads, it was like, oh, can I go out to a party or can I? Can someone come over? I was like, and I remember speaking to someone saying, why now? Like, what, like, what do I have to deal with this now? Like, I've got, I have yeah. got so much to <laughs> yeah, deal with. Yeah, yeah. This is not a conversation to have now, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, and then. You know, you, you trust them and all that, and then, yeah, he come over for dinner and bits and pieces. So you know, it 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 was yeah, it was just different to have to be everything. Well, yeah, you've got to be everything. You are everything. And I, so I, I can still, you know, as I said, I, you know, managed to be home. You know, say the girls help a lot. We've gone through the Hello Fresh recently, just in the way so they can help with cooking. My my menus are very basic. You know, sometimes it's you're not home too often, so you got to juggle a quick meal, a quick stuff. Um, because technically also Shani used to iron everything so I yep. thought I had to iron everything Hankies you know everything Hankies undies I'm mucking around with undies I said oh my undies <laughs> but it's because that's what that's what had been done so that's what I thought I had to do you know so it took me a while to let go of a few things or change a few things or you know you're you're one of two people so you can't do everything um, you know the girls have got to help a little bit you've got to ask for help sometimes you've got to say no uh, Maddie's got a license now, so Maddie, Maddie and Mia, unfortunately, they've had to become adults very quick. Grow up, grow up quick. Yeah. Um, control, like manage a house, do pickups, while still being kids. Um, still have some fun. Help put their sisters to bed. Like you know, I'll be home at ten o'clock. I've got a game tonight. What's for dinner? Um, make do hair. Um, you know. If we, you know, if we go away, we went to the Gold Coast last school holidays for for a week and all that, and you know, like technically Mia will pack Ivy's bag and all that, so Mia does the, you know, Mia's Mia's a lot like technically a bit like a mum, she loves kids, strong, um, opinionated, but then so caring, so she carries. They all carry some similarities with both of us, obviously, um, but yeah, so. They've had they had to grow up really quick, um, it, which is lucky in a way that you've yeah. got those at that age. Yeah, it, but still, yeah. And I, I just say to people like life, life. If we, I wanted, you know, not I, I suppose as a family, we wanted to have a big family. So a big family means you're busy. You know, you can't sit there and go, oh, well, I'm busy. I'm not doing any drop offs or pickups. You know, we, you know, and even my 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 girls will keep. Sometimes I'm like, oh my god, it's hard, and then they they will kindly remind me, like, you wanted to have four kids, you wanted to have us, you do this, you've got to, we've got to do this. Why can't we play that sport? You you said you know, and so it's funny how they they spin your own words back on yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, they've got a good they've got a good sense of humour by the way. They're sense. good. They're, they're amazing kids. They are so good. Um, yeah. I, and again, I don't know whether at some stage, as I said, like uh, Avis, Avis the one. And so I've, I've been I go out and do some resilience talks about football. To companies or about you know good bad greats and bits and pieces and I, when I played I didn't understand all that probably when I retired uh, I understand a yep. lot more how yep. I got technically through my career helped me go through the biggest tragedy in my career yep. in a way you know so I just again referred back to you know back yourself you know it, it, it'll be good at some stage you've been kicked before communicate, work hard, you know. And I remember we had Mark Hughes as a guest at the Sharks the other week on, on beanies for brain cancer around. So, again, we all go out and get our beanies. We all support it. The Mark Hughes Foundation. The Mark Hughes Foundation. And I remember it, it caught me out because, again, it's probably the only thing I know is technically been rugby league. I played rugby league for so long. It taught me so many great tools. that That's how I sort of go through life still in a way, in, in decision-making or, like, I don't know, I feel like I can – steer the team around if I can tell you where I need that's to go. That's right. And you are the general, yeah. number seven on your back. And then that's, you know, that's – and then Mark Hughes at that at the, the round this year, I said, how you go and where you at? And he said, mate, I just try and do as good as I can today 
because I don't know what tomorrow looks like. And then tomorrow I start again. So it's funny how like we'd been through totally same sort of things in a way, but knew, never knew anything of each other. And uh, and that was the approach I sort of take now. So I try and think that you know, I, I, as I say, I say to people, like, life's good now. Like life, I mean, life's good. Like you know, I, I, it's I can't change it. It was it was horrific. Um, there'll be always things that will bring up a memory or, a, or you know, we still, you know, Shani gets talked about quite a lot. Yeah, and I think the girls will carry a lot of the, some of those memories in themselves anyway. You know, I think they're unbelievable. And again, that's, that's you know, where where we, well, I don't know, I think we're in a, we're, we're good, we get on well together. Uh, we just moved house last Friday. We're knocking the house down that we had lived in for so long. Girls will get their own room now? Girls will get their own room. Even when that process had started, I was like, I'm trying to get us, you know, a new house or a bigger house. And they're like, no, we, we don't care. Like, we like where we are, you know. So so they've never asked for stuff. But um, sometimes you can get caught up in stress and drama and you get frustrated at the kids and, you and you know, you get angry at them and bits and pieces. Like, you don't listen or, you know, but then you've got to try and think, well, yeah. yeah. They don't really know or they don't yeah. mean to make a mistake or they, you know, they leave a – a lunchbox at home or they forgot to take an apron because they got cooking today. And it's, like, it's like, Dad, go get my sports gear. I left it at home. It's like, yeah, sure. Like, the, Dad drops everything and runs rather than going, no, get in trouble <laughs> oh, off your <God>. teacher. <laughs> yeah. I'll save you. So, I, yeah, so I feel like I've been pretty re- consistent of being able to be across everything. But, but yeah, if I get a chance to sit down, I'm like, oh, how good yeah, is Yeah, bit of time to yourself. Bit of time to yourself. But yeah, I don't mind. It's great. I, I'm back training. I do a bit of training, I play a bit of golf. I, I, so, you know, as I said, I'm lucky in a way that girls are probably old enough. Like I can sneak out with some mates. Now it gets, the daylight's getting a bit longer and play golf at 6.30 on a Friday morning. I get eight or nine holes in. I'm home just after eight o'clock. I come home and I make lunch for them and I drive them to school at nine o'clock. Perfect. They can get themselves out of bed, put clothes on, do their hair and they're ready for dad yeah, at 8.45. Perfect. 8.45 on the dot. 8.45, girls, we've got to be ready. So, you know, so... <laughs> and it's good you've got mates you can go and hang out with. That's important. Oh, massively. Go and play golf. Have a bit of yeah, your so time. Yeah, so have a bit of my time. And, yeah. and that's what I try to say to the girls. Like, yeah. I need an outlet. I need to have some my mates to be able to come over to my house or I can go to their house and have a beer and sit down and just just have an adult chat too. Like, you know, I, I, I suppose I've been lucky that I've been around a lot of... Yeah. By being what I've done for a sport I and mean, also I didn't want to go out too often and you know I used to go to the dancing classes in between training and hang out with the mums and all that so yeah. I, I suppose I've always been a, a mums club in a way of now I'm just a mum and a dad yeah yeah well you're doing both and you're doing it so incredibly well by the sounds Brett hey Shani was your biggest supporter and your harshest critic how do you reckon she'd rate your parenting skills now um I think oh, I think she'd be I think she'd be happy. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the values that she taught or that we taught uh, are still in place. Um, be nice, discipline. Um, I think it was always in a way we we try and give them everything, give them the world if we can. Um, and and then in a way I feel like we've we we do that. We 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 enjoy simple things, time together. Um, yeah, I, I think. I think I think where I'm at, um, she'd be happy. Um, where the girls are at, she'd be she'd be wrapped with how they've handled it and what they've done. Good, good. Yeah, I reckon she would be too. She'd have to be because you're just doing an incredible job, mate. You're just amazing, Brett. And and thanks for coming in. This has just been wonderful. Thank you, Alex. And such great advice for dads out there, me included, you know, hearing this and and knowing what you've been through, how you've bounced back, what you're doing now, it's just just fantastic advice and and we can't thank you enough for for telling your story here today, mate. No problem. Hopefully it helps one person. Let's hope. I'm sure it will and many, many more. Thanks again, mate. Wow. You know, just... I'm a huge rugby league fan uh, and have watched Brett Kamali's career from start to finish, really. He's a superstar, what he's done. And just to sit there and, and listen to him in that studio speak like that, um, really, really pour his heart out, um, talking about the love of his life. It's just really powerful stuff. And it's hard to imagine, isn't it? It really is. Waking up one day knowing that you've now got to do it all on your own. 
I can't thank Brett enough for his time. I really can't. And he's, uh, he's invaluable advice to any dads out there who are doing it on their own for, for whatever reason. He's just such a lovely bloke, so giving of his time, and his daughters are just so lucky to have him. You can catch him on Fox Sports, NRL.com and 7 News. And please spread the word about our Being Dad podcast. Give us a like, a review, and we'll keep doing what we do, which is helping dads be the best dads we can be. I want to leave you with a quote now from Hollywood actor Mark Ruffalo, who said, If you're not yelling at your kids, you're not spending enough time with them. Talk to you next week. This was a Seven West podcast. The producer is Jake Taylor. Nikki Hamilton is our executive producer. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm.